Hello and welcome to Here Now, a Whitechapel Gallery podcast that delves into the stories behind the exhibitions on view at the gallery here in the heart of East London. Each episode offers an insight into the works and themes explored in the displays, giving you special access to the ideas that shape the artworks through live recordings from some of our events, archive footage and conversations with curators, artists and collaborators. My name is Marta Lisson. I joined the Whitechapel Gallery in 2018 to manage the London Art Book Fair. I'm also a podcast producer and responsible for the podcast at the Schön Kunsthalle Frankfurt. And I'm very excited to be taking over this episode of Here Now in conjunction with the exhibition A Century of the Artist Studio 1920-2020. The show is on view at Whitechapel Gallery until the 5th of June and presents a 100-year survey of the place where great art is conceived and created. More than 100 works by over 80 artists from around the world are on display, including names like Pablo Picasso, Andy Warhol, Louise Bourgeois, Helen Frankenthaler, and contemporaries like Lisa Bryce, Carrie James Marshall and Wolfgang Tillmans. In this episode, we look beyond the conventionally imagined, romanticized idea of the studio. After a short introduction trying to explain why we cling to that romantic notion of the studio, we will set out on a journey across London to find spaces of creativity and art that many of us would not think of as a studio. This much for now, it is time to once and for all redefine the artist studio. To begin with, I want to invite you to imagine an artist studio. What does it look like to you? What do you see? Perhaps a man standing behind his easel and canvas, a palette and a few paintbrushes in his hand, focusing on whatever he is painting in front of him. The room is full of finished and unfinished paintings, splashes of paint everywhere, warm light is flooding the room through the large windows. Outside the windows is, of course, Paris, Montmartre. But let's touch base with reality. That scene sounds lovely and no doubt there were many men and women in the heyday of Montmartre standing in their studios painting and sculpting. But the majority of artists were poor. The studios were cold and very likely the places where they slept too. We know this. But then why do we look at those lives and spaces through rose-colored glasses? Do we romanticize the suffering and sacrifice for their art? Or is it our fascination with the inexplicability of artistic genius that overshadows real-life conditions? Surely, artists themselves have helped to shape our notion by mythologizing their lives and their studios. Whenever we see studios depicted in art, that is what those places have become, art. We see the studios, We don't feel them. We don't feel the artist's existence inhabiting those spaces. It's in our mind. We superimpose a history of depictions of artist studios onto the real-life conditions. As a podcast producer, I'm not bound to one particular space or even a studio. All I need is a laptop, one or two microphones, an external sound card and various cables to set me up wherever I need to be. 
Right now, I'm sitting in the archive reading room at Whitechapel Gallery. This space comes very close to my ideal of a studio. Old wooden tables from the time when this building was the Whitechapel Library. There are floor-to-ceiling shelves filled with art books behind me, sunlight is streaming in through the blinds, and you can hear the bus from Whitechapel High Street through the windows. As much as this is a place to linger, we are not here to stay. For this episode, I want to talk to people, and I want to visit those spaces where creativity happens and art is made, but that we would not normally consider to be an artist's studio. Though, by the end of this episode, you might do. So, let me take my portable recorder, let's hit the road. First stop is East Dulwich for coffee and some interesting insights on why many of us are so creative in cafes. London is full of cafes and the cafes are full of people working. Regularly, I am one of them. But why? Why are we drawn to the cafe to write and read? Does the buzz of background music, cups landing on saucers and people chatting stimulate our brains? Or is it the communal grinding that gets us? I've arrived at Café Oru in East Dulwich. I've got my coffee and it's the perfect environment to tell you more about why many people work so well in cafes. Because yeah, that's what many people say, that they get things done when sitting in a cafe and science is on their side. On the one hand, it has been shown that a moderate level of background noise does improve our performance on creative tasks. If you do not want to spend all your money on coffee, no problem. There are countless websites and YouTube videos that offer cafe soundscapes. On the other hand, it seems that it's not only about the noise. A study from 2016 suggested that concentration is contagious. The study set people who were working on different tasks next to each other. When one person was working harder on their task, the person next to them was working harder as well. Fascinating, isn't it? Even though they could not see what their neighbor was working on. How it works remains a mystery, but very likely we are influenced unconsciously by body postures and breathing. That would explain why, similarly to cafes, many flock to libraries to work despite the lack of background noise in the reading room. Thinking about it, cafes and by extension bars have always been essential in the creative process and thus have been places of creativity and art making because they are places of exchange and conversation from which ideas evolve. Think again of Paris, the famous Café de Flore and almost next to it Les Deux Magots, famously frequented by Pablo Picasso, Robert Desnaud, Simone de Beauvoir, Jean-Paul Sartre, Ernest Hemingway and many more. The bar as a place for people to come together is not lost in contemporary art. 
Polish artist Paulina Olowska, who has selected the works for the show, the travel bureau that is on view at Whitechapel Gallery, set up the underground bar Nova Popularna in Warsaw in May 2003 to host weekly concerts and performances. To quote Fran Leibowitz, Art history is a bar with artists hanging out, drinking, smoking, chatting. I'm now heading to a place where proper physical artworks are made, a place that is crucial, that is essential in the art world, but hardly noticed by those looking at art. I'm talking about the Art Fabricators Workshop and my journey now takes me to North Greenwich. Not all art is produced by the artists themselves. This is old news. Past and present, some artists produce their art with the help of assistants or give over the entire production to their workshop. A famous example from the past is Rembrandt, who had a cohort of apprentices and assistants working for him, finishing paintings and sometimes painting in his name. A contemporary example is Jeff Koons, who years ago employed 100 painters to produce his paintings. Artists like Rembrandt or Peter Paul Rubens employed assistants to keep up with the demand for their work. Koons or Damien Hirst operate in the tradition of conceptual art that emerged in the 1960s and emphasized the idea of an artwork, not the finished object and its execution. In later years, there has also been a move towards bigger and more ambitious artworks, which means that artists have had to rely on experts to produce the work. I've arrived in North Greenwich to meet Russell Schofield, who is the director of MDM Props. They've got a massive workshop here in Greenwich. It's a very busy industrial environment here. If you had to explain to someone what art fabrication is or how it works, what would you say? Uh, I'd say... It's taking a concept and kind of making it real in the world. In the world. So it's a, a tangible thing, but starting with an idea comes to us from various artists. How do I have to imagine the process? So artist X, Y has got an idea, yeah. is approaching you, I want to do this. Is the idea then usually final or do you work on that idea um, together? Somehow, it's, it's very dependent on the artist uh, approaches. Some are some like the organic facility we offer, so it, it's a moving feast mm. and, it, and it involves some very set on the end image. And then most of the other artists fall in between. It kind of depends on scale, size, time allowed, mm. how quick the turnaround is, mm. where it's going, uh, how close the public are to it, where it is in the world. So there's a lot of factors then start to play on an idea. Mm. And then there's a budget usually, yeah. these are the crux. Yeah. Um, so it's just an endless stream of questions. Mm. <laughs> it's an endless stream of problems that you have to solve yeah. uh, within confines. And a lot of artists get the confines and work within them. Mm. They know they're more confident in themselves. Mm. And some artists aren't. And that's when 
you get fabrication problems because you can't always do something with a material that you think is achievable. What um, skills do you offer in your workshop? Uh, we offer everything from that initial initial idea, so we could offer visual interpretations, we can do uh, any kind of 3D render drawing or animation, structural calculations, and then we've got 3D five-axis robots that can carve things, change things, make things, can do any kind of metal work, so that can be aluminium, stainless, any type of work, all kinds of plastics, and everything that kind of links all those together. It takes a lot of kit mm. to get a place like this together because you, you invariably don't want to be outsourcing too much. Mm. Um, you want to kind of keep that under control. Mm. That's what we've learned over the last 35 years. Or so. Okay. How many people do you have working here? Um, I mean, it's a massive space. We've got, uh, we've got about 95 today. Um, oh, wow. So, but they're all over the place. Mm. They're away. We've got a team in Berlin putting a piece together. We've got a team in Milan and some in Northern Ireland. All types of people work here, mm. and but it, it needs a variety of skills, so you've got to be quite uh, amendable as a person um, and be just keen on making things. Mm. Um, so that's the key to it. Mm -hmm. Thanks again. Hello and good morning on day two of our survey of the Contemporary Artist Studio. In a few minutes, I will speak to artists Rory Cahill and George Magnus, who have created the digital artwork Plaza, which is on view on Whitechapel Gallery's website as part of this year's London Open. In his artistic practice, Rory works with digital technologies, exploring the dual universes that we live in as humans at the moment, the physical and digital world, the points that they intersect, how one influences the other and how the digital world can influence our behaviours as a society. George's practice is based in music, mostly electronic club music, though he has been producing more abstract and conceptual pieces. He has worked with filmmakers, built sound collage and composed ambient pieces. For Plaza, they've joined forces based on their shared interest in online culture, video games and the virtual world that we spend a lot of time in these days. I'm interested to hear from them whether working digitally they consider the laptop their studio and to suit their mode of working. I will meet them online, which means that I can stay at home. Would you say that the laptop is your studio? I think personally, it's a really interesting concept. I've been thinking about it a lot since it was first brought up. I think personally for me, and, and I'd hazard a guess it's the same for George as well. I think it is and it isn't. You know, once the sort of the, the virtual world or the computer world, it has, you know, it's the most perfect studio. It has infinite space, has as many tools as you need. It's completely boundless. You don't get kicked out. Um, you know, you, you don't have to pay rent. It's, you know, it's it's completely perfect. At the same time, it can also be quite claustrophobic. If you spend, you know, days working on a laptop, you know, it's, it can actually get go the opposite way and get creatively stifling sort of the same as being stuck in 
a room for days on end. It's super important to our creative practices. Um, Mm. And I guess in one way, it's more important than the physical studio space, but you still need to get out of the digital world. I think I kind of overlap with Rory Rory there, Um, but I I don't even know if it is really a studio for me. I mean, I I make basically all my music on the computer. I use like physical instruments as well, but the bulk of it's done uh, on the computer. I would say it's more akin to the way in which a like a canvas easel something like that is is a tool for the painter I wouldn't say that I feel like I'm inhabiting the the computer as as my studio so much I think it can it can feel like that a little bit but I I think it's more like a collection of tools or like a toolbox Mm. of things that I rely on heavily I still feel like for me in terms of like a studio space, you have a sanctuary in which to like almost have the, the time and, and peace to study fragments of the outside world or the online world in this case that you've kind of isolated from the stream in order to explore, interrogate in some way and then produce a, something in response. I still think that the actual room I'm, I'm sat in is performing that function most mostly. I guess the difference between both of our creative practices in a way, is that the tools that I use, even though they're virtual, are spatial. Yeah. Like get game engines. That's a big thing. So maybe the laptop is is a bit more of a studio for me. Maybe, yeah. um, I I actually like sort of travel to those spaces in in at Mm. least a mental way. Mm. Um, And there's an element of using the tools of a computer, but then also work like working with it and collaborating with it mm. so it, yeah it's interesting i've always mm. said that i kind of collaborate with a computer yeah i would i would i would agree i was i think i'm the same i mean like the way especially like electronic and digital music is made these days the, the computer is like your band members if you want to put it that way i guess when you're when you're to relate back to more traditional arts if you're using a paintbrush or a pencil it's all it's all about using your body and, and the tools become an extension of your body mm. I guess there's there's something with a laptop where it is an extension of your body in a certain way, but it also becomes an extension of your mind, which is which is really interesting. If you think about the words or the idea artist studio, what comes to mind? For me, it's a it's a space that holds the energy to to create things, but also to filter experiences. Mm-hmm. Like we're all, I'm sort of a believer that anything you create is sort of like a dream it's it's a patchwork of things that you've experienced and felt even if it's like the most kind of simple abstract tiny little sketch and as an artist you need that space and it could be it can be a physical space could be a digital space and it could also just be a mental space but the studio is to me is just that like sanctuary yeah like exactly what George said it's a place it's a place you can go uh, yeah, kind of through everything. <laughs> I think it, I think a crucial thing is that it's cut off in some way from from the everyday like movement of life. So the interesting thing about the like this laptop as a studio, I think, because it's kind of tangentially connected to what you were saying earlier. Like with that understanding, you could almost sit in a coffee shop and like make your do your art. But like for me, that would just be impossible. I could never ever do that. I mean, I could technically do that. I could I could bring yeah. my laptop. I could even I could even you know, I could make some kind of sound piece. I, definitely. But I just would never be able to do it. I'd be completely like distracted. I'd just be totally, it wouldn't work at all. So I think for that reason alone, I think it's, it couldn't, it can't just be the computer because yeah, I need that disconnect. 
that's really important, I think. Yeah, George, you already touched on the next question as well. Uh, where do you both work best and why? Go ahead, Will. For me, just not at home. There has to be some sort of disconnect from the rest of life. Um, creating stuff can be a really consuming process and it can take away a lot of time. But then similarly, yeah, I feel like I need to travel somewhere. I I tend to have a my own sort of setup at home, like a a living room or that I've kind of turned into a studio partially at least if there's anyone else around I find it very distracting my brain just starts to like focus on them rather than what I'm trying to do for that reason I think it's just happened to be that being at home has just been easier also I just can't afford to have a an actual studio um I've always just made it out of somewhere in my house that's all we have time for thank you very much see you later bye Here I am again in my temporary studio, the archive reading room at Whitechapel Gallery. Over the past two days, we have revisited the traditional definition of the artist's studio. One thing we should definitely take away from the conversations I've had and the places I've visited is that contemporary artist studios are as diverse as the art practices that they are home to. The romantic depictions of the studio that have shaped our idea of the space are just that, romantic depictions. Some things have not changed over the centuries, such as the practice of established artists to run entire workshops to produce their artworks. Likewise, art has always been created outside of the studio walls too, as the cafe has shown us, and which we can substitute with the coffee house, tavern or club or any other place for social gathering. What has changed is the way many artists work ever since the advent of the laptop era. The laptop has changed arts practices, brought about new art forms and has changed drastically how we work by allowing us to work anywhere we want and we can, with all its advantages and disadvantages. A great many artist studios are presented in the exhibition A Century of the Artist Studio 1920-2020 at Whitechapel Gallery. It's on view until the 5th of June. We hope that you enjoyed this round trip on this episode of Here Now, a Whitechapel Gallery podcast that is available on the podcast platform of your choice. If you've enjoyed this episode, then why not subscribe to Here Now and give us a thumbs up. Thanks for listening. Until next time.